Last week, we, uh, I just kind of shared in our Name the Year service that this would be the year of breakthrough for our church, Queensway. And this is uh, just a continuation of uh, that message. And so um, last week, I preached from 1 Chronicles chapter 14, verse 11, which is our theme verse for this year. If you want to turn your Bibles, we won't get there for a little bit, but if you could turn your Bibles again to 1 Chronicles, but to chapter 13, uh, we're going to start at verse uh, 5, and just hang out there for a second. So 1 Chronicles chapter 13, verse 5. Uh, today is a special day for me, because I don't know if you know this, some of you may, some of you have no idea, and that's okay, but today marks officially two years that we've all been together. This is exciting. And uh, I just wanted to say that I'm looking more forward to the future today than I ever have before. And it's not because I wasn't excited before, but I'm just greatly excited by the things that God's doing in this place. Uh, but I, uh, so that's, I'm excited about today. It's good to be together. Uh, on another note, please be gracious with me today because I don't feel like uh, I've accomplished a lot this week. How many of you ever felt like you didn't accomplish a, lo- a lot in your uh, last few days? All right, that was me. I've been a little under the weather. But I'm uh, standing straight today, and I'm awake, and so that's good. So I'll just take, and I can speak, so that's good too. So uh, death, so thank you to those that prayed, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting a little better here in the next uh, couple days. But I'm feeling good. So what I'd like to do is pick up from last Sunday, where we left off last Sunday. Uh, so here's a question. Have you ever tried to hold water before? Has anyone tried to hold water? Raise your hand if you've accomplished it. Okay, a few of you. All right. So my question is, can you contain water in your hand or in the palms of your hands? And the truth is, not really. There's a little bit of residue of water maybe in your hand, but it's hard to actually contain it. And for pastors, uh, ministry, the work of God, the work in the church, is much like water. It's, it's, it's just like going all over the place sometimes. I remember I set up a trip uh, to a conference for young adults, a uh, couple, uh, probably... I don't know, six, seven years ago, five, six, seven years ago. And I had uh, two people who I would have classified as uh, they would come to, ch- uh, to young adult events or uh, the programs we ran. I don't know what I, like, they wouldn't call themselves Christians. They were, eh, I'm not sure about God. And uh, so anyways, but they would come and hang out with us, which was fine. And some would maybe just classify them as uh, searching or whatever. But they asked to come along with me on this trip to this conference and so I was like, yeah, of course, because I just say yes to everyone in that kind of a situation. And, but the truth is I should have known a little better, and I should have been like, yeah, but I didn't. I was like, yeah, yeah, come on. And I actually offered the, to drive them to make matters worse. Um, anyways, and so we went to this conference, and a bunch of my friends, ministry friends were there, and they applauded me because I, <laughs> I brought the most unholy people to this church conference. They're like, where'd you find them? I was like, they're just people. I'm like, haven't you talked to people before? Anyways, I was kind of upset with the reaction I got. But uh, anyway, so my friends were all excited. And so one of my friends actually, like, was spending an hour at lunch, like, trying to disciple them. I was like, man, you go for it. You're going to get killed. Anyways, <coughs> excuse me. But uh, I was, so I took them there. So the whole time that I was with these two people, it was a couple, uh, a, a gentleman and a, and a woman. And uh, the whole time I was with them, I could sense that something was building. I don't know if you've ever been around people. Maybe you're uh, taking some new people around town. Maybe for your business or for the place you work at, you're asked to take the new employee around, show them how everything's done. 
And I could sense that something was building in these people. And as we, uh, the conference was in Oakville, and as we drove home after the conference back into Toronto, which is about a 20-minute drive, I was uh, dropping them off at a subway station. And as we were getting to the closest subway, they got really upset with me about Christianity. They were, they became hostile. Now, I had a two-door hatchback Honda Civic, so hostility in the car was in close quarters, all right? And I couldn't just, like, send them to the back of the vehicle because it was right, like, beside me. Anyways, so they were upset with me because who am I to judge them and what kind of crazy person am I? And and they started uh, saying words that you're not supposed to say in church, uh, especially when it's recorded. And, you know, the, you know, those kinds of French words that you guys joke about at coffee time and stuff like that. But the truth is, they were, you know, it's the sort of thing that you don't allow your kids to be a part of. And so they were just using all these interesting words to me. And uh, to be perfectly honest, I, I was a little scared maybe. But I also, I just didn't say anything. I was like, what is happening? Like, I was just trying to be a nice guy. I invited you to the conference. I probably paid for them too. Like, I'm like God, why did I deserve this? And so they're just screaming and shouting and swearing at me. I didn't say anything. I just kept my mouth shut. And right at the end of their profanity-laden tirade against me and every Christian and God, who does he think, he, you know, all this stuff. Uh, by the end of it, they, 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 I, I got to the subway station mercifully. And I was like, okay, here you go. And God bless. And, and, and they... They ripped the car door open, and, and the girl yelled at me, by the way, <laughs> I don't want to say it because some of you would be embarrassed, but they were like, you know, we're in a physical relationship with each other. And I was like, okay, man. I'm like, God bless. Have a good day. You know, I don't know, whatever, man. Like, I don't really care if you live together. Like, I'm sorry. I don't know who you think I was. But uh, anyways, it was just this interesting moment and uh, these people literally ran into the subway station i can see it it was kipling subway station in etobicoke i can see them running in and i have never seen them since i actually i think i probably texted them just to ask if they're okay are you alive uh no nothing they never got back to me ever again it's okay to laugh i laughed about it all right and my friends and i laughed about it after but you see the church life that's what i mean it can be liquid what did I do wrong? I was nice. Like, I was generous. I was, I, I, I maybe I, I don't know. I don't know. I still don't know what I did wrong. I, maybe it's probably because I didn't do anything wrong. But you see, the church life, it can be liquid. It can change at a moment's notice. These people were nice when I picked them up. They were nice. They smiled at me and thanked me for taking them. And at the end, it was the, it was just this wild experience. It almost feels like a movie or something. This week, some of our guys, I, I like to refer to them in my mind as Frank and Co. Uh, that's how I see them. Uh, they were building tons of stuff in our basement, just walls and wood and lumber and nails and screws and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, all sorts of stuff, materials I can't even think of right now. Uh, they're building all this stuff. And, you know, I love to see things built because even though I don't know all the details, if you asked me to build your house, I would do it for you. But if it fell over, like, I can't take responsibility for that. Uh, But the truth is, I love to see things built and eventually get put together in a certain order so that the finished product is good. You know know what I mean? Like, when you build something, you like to see that that finished product is something good, that it's strong, that it will last many years. That's the goal. You see, there's a sense of completeness 
when we build something, it's done, it's finished, there it is, poof, I built a box, it's there. I like building my kids Lego because it's done. I Man, I put those bricks together, just clickety-click, and it was done. I did it all by myself. This week, I feel like all I accomplished was getting the banner put up on the lobby wall. That was my big accomplishment. Uh, for me, when I was considering how I was feeling physically, that actually gave me a sense of satisfaction when Doug and I put in the last, I shouldn't blame, uh, Doug didn't do that. Sorry, that was all my idea. When uh, we put in the last uh, screw into the wall, I needed to finish it. It was important to me. So here's the truth. When it comes to breakthrough, there is a starting point for God's people. We need to start somewhere. We need to start somewhere. In my life, I've seen one true pathway to breakthrough. And it's simply this. Prayer and fasting. This pathway is not easy by any means. When I was a youth pastor in Brampton, our head worship leader would send me a text regularly and say, the worship team is fasting and praying this week. What would follow would be tremendous breakthrough in those gatherings. I'd see young people raise their hands to the Lord for the first time, uh, teenagers healed, bodies restored, broken hearts made new. One of my first times of 21 days of prayer and fasting, I felt as though the church I was a part of, that we did a better job at the fasting part than the prayer. People would ask me, what, what recipe, Pastor Jay, did you use for your fasting? We were on a Daniel fast. And they would ask me, because apparently I lost a lot of weight over the fast. So what did you do, Pastor, to lose the weight? I didn't eat salt or sugar for 21 days. That's the answer, in case you're wondering. Literally. Regardless, the church at that time would come to the end of the 21 days and bam, right there, I could almost feel the building shake and the Spirit of God would come alive in His people. Again, the Spirit would move in in powerful ways. There was once again breakthrough. I've been uh, trying to eat less McDonald's lately. I don't know if anyone has this problem. And it's hard because there are only so many places to go and eat in Espanola. Like, seriously, we can count them, right? So we don't want to drive hours and hours every time we want to eat, right? It's not a good, uh, good for the gas budget. But on Friday morning, after I took the boys to school, I was feeling sorry for myself and uh, used Arlene as my excuse to buy us breakfast. And I had, I had food at home, but I was too tired and grumpy to prepare it. And so I said, Arlene, do you want breakfast? Yeah, okay, so that was my excuse. All right. So after we sat and ate the breakfast from McDonald's, I was reminded of what a horrible decision it was to eat McDonald's. Like, it was, it was gross. It didn't even taste good. Like, what, what, why did I do this to myself? But the truth is we learn from uh, something like uh, fast food that in our culture these days, we want everything instantly. We want everything instantly, don't we? Uh, we've become wired this way. Uh, Neil Peart, the drummer of the famous Canadian band Rush, passed away on Friday. Uh, immediately when he passed away, or well, at least when they released the news, I could read the whole story, the whole news article on my phone, full details. I got the whole thing right away. I've been tracking the news from Iran this last week and the events surrounding the plane coming down with all the, those people and specifically Canadians on board. And immediately, all week, all I had to do was click a few things on my phone, and I had the info right there. 
But God, God's ways are different than our ways. They are. You see, we live in a right now culture. We used to say that we could wait a few seconds for something. We don't wait a few seconds anymore. Man, when my internet, our internet was cacking up this weekend, what, what, what's going on, right? The whole house is in shambles. We can't live any longer. You know, we had to go to bed. I couldn't turn the lights off because the internet wasn't working. When my phone, oh man, when my phone slows down, I, I, what do we do? We, we buy a new phone when the phone slows down. I, I, I get a new one almost every year. Why? There's no good reason, but it's a little bit faster. And the old one, of course, was fine, but the new one, oh man, it just feels faster. I, I'm more alive right now. That's how it feels. But the truth is, I guess I'm having some fun. God's ways are different than our ways. I saw a tweet this week from Nicky Gumbel. I think well, a lot of you guys know that I like him a lot. And uh, he wrote this. I think I have a slide for it, Val. I don't know. I do? Okay. Joseph waited 13 years. Abraham waited 25 years. Moses waited 40 years. And Jesus waited 30 years. If God makes you wait, you are in good company. How many of you have been waiting for something that you think God's told you about for a long time? Raise your hand. It's okay. I got my hand up. All right. We have this, and it doesn't seem to matter our age or how long we've been a Christian or how great our devotional life is, if, if we're like super Christian or if we're just like, yeah, but I'm kind of Christian. It doesn't matter. We have this illness in our culture. Excuse me. And it's simply this. It's that we cannot wait for God anymore. We get, we get frustrated. Uh, I, like, I remember praying with people. Uh, you know, we, I prayed with people on a weekly basis about things, and people will come back to me and say, well, Pastor, God didn't do anything. You waited seven days. Like, seriously. Like, yes, I know God can do whatever he wants whenever he wants to do it. Yes, I fully understand that. But just because you told him to means that he should just do it? He's God. He can do whatever he wants. If he wants it to snow in the middle of summer, boom, there's snow. Like, come on. It doesn't matter. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, we asked, uh, a lot of people asked this question, God, send rain to Australia. I do not know why he's not sent rain yet, or at least in the amount they need. But the truth is, is that he's got this thing sorted out. I, I don't know why he's doing it, but he is doing something. Does he send the plagues not necessarily but he allows things to happen and i don't know the whole thing but the truth is, is that god's ways are different than our ways but pastor my my spouse needs to change today like this is the day i've had enough you know there's all these things we if you uh, are on social media you'll see i uh, just punch in uh, it's hashtag uh, marriage is the best. And you'll see all these people who've been married for two weeks posting photos. Hashtag marriage is the best. And they're like in some like foreign land on their honeymoon. Of course marriage is the best. You're not doing anything. You're on vacation. Wait till you have a child screaming bloody murder for days and weeks. And I'm 50 years old and I don't know what happened in the last 30 years of my life. Like, marriage is the best. Of course it's the best. <laughs> if you're not married, I, I think it's, it's great. 
but pastor, my spouse needs to change today. Well, maybe your spouse does need to change, maybe. But I've learned a little something about nagging. It's annoying. Nagging's annoying. I hope some of my family are watching this one. Nagging, I'm looking at you in the camera. Nagging is annoying. But when the Spirit of God comes upon us, wow, we've got the victory. You don't need to nag anymore. We've got the victory. Did you know that God is working in our waiting? Some of you have said things to me or have thought these thoughts on your own that, God, I've been waiting for so, so long. Are you working? He, he is working in our waiting. I've told you the story before, but I have had friends who have been unable to conceive children, and then they, uh, God gave them a child, and, 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 and they, they prayed, and, and there's this child, and then they get the baby, and a week later, it's screaming all night. That's what babies do. And they say, God, why did you give this to me? Well, because you prayed for it. You know what the best part about some of these couples that this has happened to? They've had twins now. So there's like herds of them. I'm like, be careful what you pray for. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I always thank God for every child he gave. No more, no less. God is working in our waiting. Maybe he wants to bring you to a deeper place before your breakthrough comes. Have you thought about that? Maybe he wants you to go a little deeper before your breakthrough comes. What if we said, okay, God, you aren't doing this as quick as I want you to do to do it. What, what can I do to mold my life to go deeper with you? God, I, I need breakthrough, but even though I don't see it, what can I do to go deeper with you? In the passage from 1 Chronicles where we find our theme verse for this year, 1 Chronicles 14.11 says this, and he went up to Baal, Perizim, and David struck them down there. And David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand like a bursting flood. Therefore, the name of that place is called Baal Perizim. The place of breakthrough is the translation. We see two different events in this uh, uh, section of Chronicles. Uh, the first is what I preached last week, the Lord of Breakthrough. But before... Uh, chapter 14 is verse 13, and leading up in uh, chapter 13 uh, is this a picture of, the, uh, of David and all Israel carrying the ark of the Lord. So let's, we're going to read it together because there is another uh, breaking point that we need to take note of. So that's why I asked you to turn to 1 Chronicles 13, chapter 5. It's a little longer section. We're going to read it to you today. So David assembled all Israel from the Nile of Egypt to Labo Hamath to bring the ark of God from Kiriath Jerim and David and all Israel went up to Bala that is to Kiriath Jerim that belongs to Judah to bring up from there the ark of God which is called by the name of the Lord who sits enthroned above the cherubim it's interesting that they know what the ark is but the writer is pointing us to who this thing is for verse 7 and they carried the ark of God on a new cart from the house of Abinadab and Uzzah and Ahio, sorry, were driving the cart. And David and all Israel were celebrating before God with all their might, with song and lyres and harps and tambourines and cymbals and trumpets. Verse 9, and when they came up to the threshing floor of Chidon, Uzzah put, one, put out his hand to take hold of the ark, 
for the oxen stumbled. Verse 10, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and he struck him down because he put his hand on the uh, hand to the ark, and he died there before God. Verse 11, and David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah. And the, that place is called Parauzah to this day, which means the breaking out against Uzzah. All right? Similar to the breakthrough place. You see, here's, I, I'm, I'm real simple again today. I got two points for you. Here's the first one. We have this picture with the ark and uh, 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 Uzzah, excuse me, who reaches out for the ark to save it. So not only has the nation of Israel messed up because they put the ark on some contraption instead of carrying it like they're supposed to, which is significant, they, uh, one of the guys reaches out because the, like, who would have, like, of course the cow is going to mess it up. Like, come on, have you worked with animals before? Anyways, the uh, cow falls over, and the, the guy reaches his, to touch it, and they should know that you do not touch the ark of the Lord. You don't, that's, because that's what happens. It's promised to us. We learn uh, for our first point today, God's presence demands our reverence. I want you to remember, remember that. God's presence demands our reverence. God's presence must be prominent in every one of our gatherings. Whether it's a small group of folks at home, it's a prayer assembly, it's a worship night, it's a Sunday morning, it's a youth gathering, it's a children's meeting. God's presence must be prominent in our gatherings. You see, church, we come alive when we sense God's presence upon us. There it was expressly ordained that the ark should be carried on the shoulders of the priests, thanks, Doug. Uh, Val did deliver the water earlier, but I forgot it in my office. So well done to the whole family. Thank you. There it was expressly ordained that the ark should be carried on the shoulders of the priests because the cause of God must proceed through the world by the means of consecrated men rather than mechanical instrumentality. The thought for you, may we never neglect the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, people have always asked me, what does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, this is part of it. By us neglecting the presence and power of the Holy Spirit that's within us. In the Old Testament text, uh, we see that Uzzah, the word of that individual, means strength. And Ahio uh, means friendly. These are what these, the words of these uh, individuals mean. So we think this is good. But church, good vibes alone without the presence of God, without his blessing, is just a good thing done wrong. And I'm scared that a lot of us do a lot of good things it, just the wrong way because we're not doing them with the Spirit of God in accompany, accompaniment with us. Whether in our personal lives, in our uh, church lives, whatever it is, I've seen this too many times in my own life. My prayer would be, God, may we always do things with the spirit of humility and honor in everything that we do. Just as you, the musicians in this scripture, as we've read, we're tempted to believe our own hype that sometimes it's the taste and style of our worship that is what pleases God. Is it, that's what's pleasing to God. It's so wrong. We must be driven to God's word so that we can know 
how he wants to be worshipped. It's about us beholding him who sits on the throne. That's what it's about. It's not about us. Oh, this, this, uh, Pastor Jay, I don't like this, the way this song's played. No, stop it. I don't care what, what kind of guitars we use, what kind of instruments we use, what kind of beats we use. Forget about it. I can go to Africa and play a bunch of music I've never heard of, and I can find uh, praise to God amongst those people. I can do the same in the Caribbean. I've done it up in the Northwest Territories, in the Yukon, in the Arctic. I've gone all over and seen it. It's not about the style. It's not about the presentation. It's about the heart behind what's being played. Our second thought is this, and it's a simple but very important word. Details determine destiny. Now, this point uh, is a friend of mine came up with it, Pastor Ed Ainsworth, just to give a shout-out to him. I, I didn't come up with it on my own. But what we learned from Uzzah, to never disregard the hand of the Lord. You see, we're responsible for our actions, no matter how well-intended they are. Do you know that Uzzah, he was trying to do the right thing. The ark was falling. He wanted to save it. He was trying to do the right thing. But it doesn't matter because that's not what God had called them to do. They, they were doing it all wrong to begin with. One commentator said Uzzah uh, was wrong in thinking it didn't matter who transported the ark. Uzzah was wrong in thinking it didn't matter how the ark uh, was transported. Uzzah was wrong in thinking he knew all about the ark because it was in his father's house for so long, Uzzah was part of Judah. Uzzah was wrong in thinking that God couldn't take care of the ark himself. Uzzah was wrong in thinking that the ground of Chidon's threshing floor was less holy than his own hands. Think about it. We think, oh, that's an overreaction. This is God. He knows every detail. Whenever someone says, well, I don't think God really cares about stuff like that. Well, he cares enough to know every single hair on your head. So don't you think he cares about everything that we're doing? So the word today is that we would be careful that our pride and knowledge of God doesn't block us from the breakthrough that we're asking and expecting for. So the question I came up with here was, well, who does Jesus honor? Who does he look to? One thought came quickly, Matthew 20, verse 16. So the last will be first and the first last. It's a reminder that God's kingdom is sometimes, most of the time, all the time, upside down. Another commentator wrote about Uzzah. He saw no difference between the ark and any other valuable article. His intention to help was right enough, but there was a profound insensibility to the awful sacredness of the ark, on which even its Levitical bearers were forbidden to lay hands. Think about it. He asked these people to worship and to uh, praise him around this ark, the ark that would contain his presence, they weren't allowed to touch it. Don't get too close. He warned them from the beginning, because if you touch this, you will die. That word was forgotten in this moment. Psalm 24, verse 3 and 5 says this, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully like those people in my civic. <laughs> oh, I'm a bad boy. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. 
Jackie, can you help me? And board members, can you prepare for communion this morning? Church, here's my question for you. Do you want breakthrough? Do you want breakthrough? If you do, I do, come to the Lord with clean hands. Come to the Lord with a pure heart. Don't lift your spirit to something false. Do you know what false, the, the, what is false in our world? I've got to be careful here because I'm going to get in trouble if I'm not. We always lift our spirits to political leaders. That is false. It is not because they're bad. It's because they're human. Don't lift your spirit to something false. Oh, Pastor Jay, this, this leader, they're just so wonderful. Who cares? They're not God. They're just like you and me. Don't lift your spirit to something false. Do not swear deceitfully. Church, careful. be careful of cutting words towards yourself and to others and of others. And if we do all these things, we will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of salvation. So church, today this is just a continuation of last week. I felt like I'd left some things unsaid. I felt theologically I'd left something open-ended there with the previous chapter. But we do need to prepare ourselves. I believe these 21 days are significant preparation days for the church, for our church. If you've been with us, fantastic. If you've been unable to join, no sweat. But I want to encourage everyone, we've got two weeks left. Jump in. Let's go deep together. Tomorrow, 7 o'clock, we're going to fill this room with prayer. And church, I don't know about you, but I need breakthrough. Our town needs breakthrough. My gosh. We need breakthrough. And let me tell you something. If we're the only church praying for this around here, so be it. We're going to do it. We're going to pray. We're going to stand up. And we're going to say, enough's enough. I'm not allowing, you know, I, I can't control everything I, by no means. But I'm not going to allow our church or any other things that we touch to, to just silently drift off into the night. Forget it. We're going to fight. We're going to stand up. We're going to believe for the God of breakthrough to show up in this region. We're leaders. God has ordained this church for great things.